Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We're continuing on in Paul's missionary journeys, and we are in the second missionary journey. We've just looked at Acts chapter 18 and the opening verses which talk about Paul's time in the city of Corinth, and it is an extended stay there. He ends up staying for about a year and a half in the city of Corinth. Now, while he is there, he's going to write a couple of letters back to one of the churches in Macedonia where he had uh, just come from earlier in his second missionary journey. He's going to write two letters to the Thessalonians who are at the city of Thessalonica in Macedonia. And the main purpose of these letters is for him to express to them his desire to be with them, to come and see them, to see how they're doing as a body of believers in Christ, and to encourage them and give them any sort of teaching that they might be lacking or answer any questions that they might have. So we are going to look at the first letter to the Thessalonians today, and let's uh, just pray as we begin here. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Apostle Paul and for his ministry uh, on his second missionary journey. We pray that as we look into the first letter to the Thessalonians, that you would help us to glean insights from it for our lives as believers in Jesus Christ today. It's in his great name we pray. Amen. So the letter to the the first letter to the Thessalonians is probably written not too long into Paul's stay in Corinth. You'll remember from Acts chapter 18 that Paul was at first uh, with Aquila and Priscilla, Jews who had been forced out of Rome uh, because of the great persecution of the Jews that had begun there at that time. And so he's staying with these two individuals. He's ministering in the synagogue until the Jews in Corinth uh, rise up against him. Now, one of the leaders of the synagogue believes in Jesus and turns to Christ. And so having lost the opportunity to speak in the synagogue, Paul and uh, we find out a little later that Silas and Timothy return to him also, uh, come to the house of uh, Titius Justus, which is close by the synagogue, and he continues to minister, uh, having seen a vision of the Lord Jesus, which uh, Christ told him he should remain in the city and continue to preach the gospel for some time. And so he stays there for about a year and a half. Now, we will briefly just look through the first letter to the Thessalonians, and I'll give you some big picture themes and talk about some of the uh, major aspects of this letter. So in chapter one, we have greetings and thanksgivings that are given, uh, thanksgiving to the Lord uh, for Thessalonians. And in these 
versus Paul and Silas, who is called Silvanus here, and Timothy, greet the church at Thessalonica and tell them of how they give thanks for them and for the good reputation they have as having heard the gospel of Jesus in affliction. And yet because of their faithful testimony, the gospel has gone forth now into uh, other regions within Macedonia and Achaia. Achaia is to the south of uh, Macedonia. It also seems the church at Thessalonica is primarily a Gentile one, since Paul will write in verse 9, You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, this recalls the witness of Acts chapter 17, the very first verses there, that the Jews that Paul was speaking to in the synagogue stirred up the city strongly against the missionaries and eventually forced them out of the city of Thessalonica. So probably the, the Jewish contingent of believers in Christ in Thessalonica was rather small, although there would have been some, there were probably many more Gentiles in that city. Now, we get a little glimpse here of what we don't read in Acts chapter 17. It seems like there is some affliction going on in the city of Thessalonica after Paul and the group leave that city. Uh, you'll recall that they take a man by the name of Jason and drag him before the magistrates and then eventually force him to pay money uh, to testify that Paul is not preaching another king there. Uh, he is preaching that Jesus is the king, but not necessarily that they should uh, refuse to pay honor to Caesar. And so all of this gives us a little bit of a glimpse back into Acts chapter 17, with which we dealt with uh, earlier in this series. In chapter 2, we read about the ministry of Paul in Thessalonica. He gives us a little bit of a historical walkthrough of what had happened. So Paul recounts how they had come to Thessalonica after having been mistreated so badly in Philippi, he says in verse 2. He talks about how they had come out of, uh, not come out of any greedy or selfish desire uh, or for their own, own glory. There really wasn't anything that they were desiring to get out of their sharing of the gospel, but instead they were like a nursing mother in verse 7, or a father with his children in verse 11. They cared for the new believers in Christ uh, who were there at Thessalonica. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 7 through 12, and I'll read those briefly. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. 
For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You can really get a sense of the Apostle Paul's heart for the believers in Christ here. What a beautiful picture of how Paul and Silas and Timothy ministered to these Thessalonians. Paul also tells them that through their suffering, they also become like the believers in Judea. He says this in verses 14 through 15. How are they like the believers in Judea? Well, in Judea, they suffered many things at the hand of their own countrymen, the Jews. This is probably an allusion to the Thessalonians suffering greatly at the hands of other Gentile non-believers. So they've been called by God out of their former way of life and to holiness and righteousness of conduct. And there are other Gentiles who do not like their transformation, the, the change in their lifestyle. Now, in chapter 2, verse 17, through chapter 3, verse 5, we get an even further glimpse into Paul's heart for the church in Thessalonica. Paul explains that they desired greatly to come to them again, but Satan was hindering them, he says in verse 18. He calls the Thessalonian church their hope, their joy, and the crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming. These believers are Paul's joy and glory, the fruit of their hard labors. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it seems Paul is saying that they ended up in Athens as a result of being exiled from first Thessalonica and then from the city of Berea also. When he could not stand it any longer, Paul sent Timothy, perhaps with Silas, although it seems perhaps more likely that he went alone, we're not exactly sure here, to find out what was happening in Thessalonica and to establish and exhort them in their faith, we read in verses 2 and 3, that no one be moved by these afflictions. So as they were leaving, I'm sure they felt terrible that all of these persecutions were going on in the city of Thessalonica against the church, and they really just had to entrust the church to the Lord. And so later on, Paul is so concerned about them that he sends Timothy back to them. Now, in verses 6 through 13 of chapter 3, upon Timothy's return to Paul when he's at Corinth, Timothy brings good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, as we read in chapter 3, verse 6. So they were comforted in their affliction in Corinth because the Thessalonians were doing well, according to Timothy's report, and it helped them to know how to pray more intelligently for them. Look at chapter 3 and verses 9 through 13. We read there, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see your face, that we may see you face to face, and supply what is lacking in your faith. 
Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now in chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, he talks about walking rightly before God. Paul addresses the sexual immorality that's present in the Greek world in verses 1 through 4. The believers are not to walk as the Gentiles walk, giving in to their selfish passions and cravings, but controlling themselves and seeking holiness and honor. Sexual immorality was commonplace in the Greco-Roman world. And so this teaching would have definitely been countercultural for the Gentiles who were born and raised in this kind of society. He also goes on to commend them for their brotherly love for one another and prays that it would continue to increase. They were to live quietly and humbly before God and man, working hard and living upright lives. Now in chapter 4 verse 13 through chapter 5 verse 11, he's going to give them some doctrinal instruction on future things. He writes to encourage them about believers who have died, or he uses the language of fallen asleep here. He says when Jesus returns, he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, in verse 14. When Jesus comes, their bodies would be raised, verse 16. Then those believers who are alive and remain until Christ's coming would meet the Lord in the air, in verse 17. This would happen with a shout at the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. And in chapter 5, he describes the day of the Lord as a day of judgment, darkness, and night. He contrasts this with believers who, he says, belong to the light and to the day. This is a strong argument that believers in Christ will not participate in the coming day of God's wrath upon the earth, sometimes called the tribulation. Instead, Christ will come first, and we will, as believers in Christ, either be raised to life with him or meet him in the air without death, escaping the coming of the wrath of God in the tribulation, as we read in verses 8 through 11 of chapter 5. Finally, in verses 12 through 28 of chapter 5, he gives us a last series of commands that would help the Thessalonians as they lived as Christians from day to day. They were to respect and honor their elders. They were to work hard, be joyful, be resilient in prayer, and thankful. Paul's final prayer is that God would fully sanctify the Thessalonians, but he is confident that God is faithful to surely bring it about. Next time we'll look at the second letter to the Thessalonians that Paul wrote from the city of Corinth. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partners.